The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas desert and energy industry who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good Sunday evening, WWM listeners. Hey, we are marching through our Soldier Code series with our third episode, The Vow of the Viking, is today's topic. Our first two, The Way of the Samurai and The Law of the Spartan, can be downloaded on Apple, Spotify, or iHeartRadio podcast apps if you want to go back and check those out, and I suggest you do. So I can't speak for you listeners out there, but I, for one, have never had a time in my life where I have actually felt the presence of Satan all around me more than I do today. Evil seems to be everywhere in a raging battle for our children, our marriages, our churches, our educational systems, our government. It is undeniable that we are experiencing spiritual warfare like never before. And like every war throughout history, soldiers need to be recruited and trained to fight the existential enemy threat before them. Thank God for his mighty men, like David, who understood that his battles were won by the Lord. The Bible is, of course, our first training manual for spiritual warfare, but just like with those Old Testament soldiers, God uses ordinary men today to do extraordinary things for his kingdom even now. So I believe my guest, Duncan Brannon, was used by God to write this book to prepare us for today's battles. The name of his book is The Soldier Code. Ancient Warrior Wisdom for Modern-Day Christian Soldiers. Duncan Brand, welcome back to Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks so much, David. You know, it, it, it's nice to be invited back to a program. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, this content is... I, I, I get, of course. It's great to be here with you again. Well, your content is so rich and so deep, uh, and, and it, it, uh, the time goes by so fast. So today, you know, we are talking about the vow of the Viking, and you open this section of your book with two quotes. One from King Valsung from the Saga of the Valsungs, and the other from the book of Joshua in the Bible. Uh, chapter 1, verses 7 through 9 goes like, uh, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So please explain to our listeners how you are contrasting or using these two very different quotes and sources you know, to introduce the Viking warrior culture and its application to spiritual warfare. Okay. Yeah, so the, the saga of the Volsungs that you mentioned there, it's one of the great mythical sagas handed down to us uh, from the Viking culture. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, in fact, uh, referenced it a number of times, used it really to catapult his, some of his work in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Um, but the Viking sagas, they were, they were mostly prose, and they had uh, some poetry mixed in. And there was just this fascinating combination of mythology, history, and this Viking ideology, uh, what they thought was important in life. And it was really their most potent medium, in my estimation, of passing down their beliefs and values from one generation to the next. And the, the chief 
virtue among the Viking culture was valor. Um, you know, this courage in life and bravery in combat and exploration, fear and cowardice just didn't have a place. It was taboo in their culture. And valor was also the only way to please the gods and secure a path into Valhalla, this heavenly hall of the Norse gods. And that the quote of King Volsung there says, all people and nations shall tell of the word I spake, yet being unborn, wherein I vowed a vow that I would flee in fear from neither fire nor the sword. Even so, I have I done hitherto, and I shall, shall I depart from this now that I'm old? And he goes on there, but he's basically saying, he's saying, look, I've never run from a battle in my life, and I'm not going to start now, because that's not the way of, of the Viking. The way of the Viking yeah. is, is fearlessness, it's valor. And so that's the comparison that we start with, and then we build from there. Well, you know, I must interject here that my mother's side of the family is from Finland, and I'm uh, mm-hmm. proud of my pale Scandinavian complexion and blue <laughs> eyes. Uh, I also must confess here, you know, that my wife and I have been huge fans of this History Channel series, you know, on the Vikings. Uh, in fact, uh, right, I, yeah. I have to say, I've, I've even been trying to get her to call me Ragnar Lothbrok <laughs> because I love that character so much. And, and he is the one who becomes a Christian, you know, but uh as the show portrays them, you know, they are a pagan and fierce warrior culture known for their boat building and their open water navigation skills. Uh, so the first wave of Viking raids across Europe from 789 to 83480 sent shockwaves and news across mm-hmm. the continent that a new enemy had landed, one unbounded by conventional thought or religious tradition. Man, mm-hmm. you know, does that sound like the evil we see today? You know, especially hostility toward the church, you know, like in the show where they just go in and they're just killing the, the clergy and, and mm-hmm. stealing the, you know, the most uh, sacred uh, items, you know, for their treasury. So, mm-hmm. Duncan, you know, why have we followed Viking lore to such a grim place? Mm. There's really two biblical reasons behind it um, as I start tracing that barbarity of the Vikings and kind of laying out. Yeah, how lost they were, how darkened their culture was prior to the light of Christ. And, and the first is this. Scripture teaches that man's heart, it can plummet into these, these darkest of fathoms where only divine grace can reach it. That's, that's, it. that's such a theme in Scripture. Part of God's beauty in Scripture lies in redeeming these super lost people, these people that nobody ever thought could, could be saved, right? Mm-hmm. And to the opposite of that, the Viking goddess Hell, for example, but um, wonder wonder what rips off that. Um, the Viking goddess Hell, she reveled in violence. But if you look into places like Micah seven eighteen through nineteen, we see a god who revels in mercy. Micah says, "Who is a god like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever." because he delights in steadfast love. He will have compassion on us. He will tread our, uh, tread our iniquities underfoot. Depths of the sea. So this, this first of all, this, this first biblical reason is that we have a God who delights in mercy. And Scripture teaches that though people are super lost, God, God has a heart for them and he wants to reach them. When man's gone overboard and they're drowning in the depths of sin, God, God says, hey, I'm not done. I've just, I've just begun, in fact. And the second reason, really, 
for kind of rummaging through the, the Viking barbarism, if you will, like we do early on in the chapter, is this. It's that, that the worst of sinners out there, the worst of uh, worst kinds of lost people, these often turn into, through Christ's redemption, his greatest witnesses. Yeah, that's it's it's a really really powerful theme in scripture, and you see this especially in the Gospels. If you look at uh, like people like Mary of Magdala or the demoniac in Mark chapter five, to just give you a few examples there. Right. No, yeah, I, that we were studying that at my church. You know, uh, this guy's got you know legion. He's got you know thousands of demons in him, and you know that's that's pretty bad. And and you know it yeah. feels like that today. And I hope you know listeners, if you're out there and you're you're wondering about all these mass shootings and all these crazy things that are going on in this. Is this just the, the worst time that the, the world has ever known? Well, no, probably, or, or we're close or similar, but there have always been times like this, and, and God is who we have to turn to. And that's really the message of the show here. What we're wrestling with is evil, and our only hope is to turn to this love and mercy of God. So in your book, you explain you relate, you know, how the worst sinners do make the greatest missionaries and explain how zealous a Jew Saul was in persecuting Christians, but once he met Christ, he became a new man, Paul, Mm -hmm. perhaps the greatest missionary of all time. Now, most of us who are familiar with the Bible know Paul's story, but let's hear about the wrestling match you refer to as the duel of deities. I love that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell our (laughs) listeners the story of the Viking monarch Olaf Trigvison, if I'm saying that right, uh, conversion to Christianity. Yeah, so to set things up kind of for them, um, give them a term here real quick up front. Uh, When two Viking warriors could not resolve their differences, they would have what was called a home gong. And this was basically a duel to the death. Um, And in many respects, when Vikings, um, when their paganism and barbarity encountered some of these really fire-bellied, sign-wielding bishops and monks on the mission field in their time, they were they witnessed this literal power clash between God. It was like Odin and Thor facing off with, the, with, with Father God and Jesus, his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we have these amazing instances in, Viking, in the Viking sagas that record just some, I mean, eye-opening miracles that were performed by bishops, by monks, and so forth, and that brought some of these guys to conversion. Uh, you mentioned Olaf Trevason. So he was the king of Norway, and following the death of his wife, Gira, um, he, he set out to drown his sorrows in kind of this typical Norse fashion. He's like, okay, I'm going to go plunder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to go rob people. <laughs> so, so four years later, though, he landed on the Isles of Scilly, just off the southwestern tip of, of present-day England. And he had this nickname. They called him Crowbone because he he, he, he read the omens all the time. He was always going to the soothsayers and to the, you know, he'd be the one reading his horoscope if he were you know, around with us today. And so yeah, like that character on the show. Yeah, exactly. So Olaf became intrigued, though, with this kind of stuff. And, and he heard, when he went to the Isle of Scilly here, he heard about a, monk, a local monk's prophetic powers, and he decided to test it. He's like, well, I'm going to see if this guy's for real or not. So he sent another one of his men dressed as himself dresses the king and and then the guy shows up and the guy the guy announced himself and was like well i am king olaf and you know here i am i'm from you know norway i'm the king of these vikings and so forth and and the prophet read his book right away he said a king you are not but my counsel to you is to be loyal to yours 
And this, you know, this would be monarch, basically. He just got, you know, he just got pants by a man of God, basically. Mm-hmm. He went back and he told King Olaf about it. And so King Olaf wanted to meet him right away. And so he went, he had dinner um, with the monk, and the monk began to tell him, basically, he's, you know, predicting his future. He said, you're going to be a great king, and you're going to help bring many to the faith of Christ. But before you leave here, but before you get back to your ship, you're going to... There's going to be an assassination attempt on your life, and your men are going to have to carry you back on a shield. But after a week, you'll be all right, and then you're going to come back and get baptized. And true to form, that monk's prophecy was fulfilled to the letter. So when Olaf got well, he was right back on that guy's doorstep and saying, okay, you got my how, attention. Do yeah. <laughs> I, how do I believe in this Christ? It was amazing. Well, and uh, this this kind of thing happened happened you know, to to the, to the Vikings and so forth, and it really did it put an end to the discussion about whose God was more powerful. That's the thing. Yeah, I, it is. It is a duel of deities, and when mm-hmm. you can uh, predict and prophecy and things actually happen, and of course there are many cases that in the Bible and heal. There's that's that's uh, a more powerful God, and and you know anybody who's just mm-hmm. looking for all right. You know, it's like when you're picking sides in the kickball game or draft picks, you know, who's going to be your number one? He's like, hey, I want, I want the best. <laughs> and so <laughs> and we all have access to him, don't we, Duncan? Amen. Amen. Well, so I love this excerpt from your book. I wonder how many heathen altars would be overturned if our world witnessed the 21st century church wielding power like the first century one or Viking era Christians. We must recognize that no different than Vikings, many today must meet the mighty warrior God before seeing their need for the merciful Savior God, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. They must learn, as Paul said, that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, in Corinthians I'm sorry, 4.20. So how mm-hmm. can we, as Christian sh- soldiers now, that's who we're, we've written the book for, modern-day Christian mm-hmm. soldiers, introduce non-believers to the mighty warrior God. Mm. I think it's just important to say here that the sign-working God in Scripture and the one that the Vikings encountered, he's alive. He's still alive and well. He's Mm. not changed um, with the completion of the Bible. That did not spell an end to God's miracle ministry. Um, The supernatural gifts that we see in Acts taught in 1 Corinthians 12, They've not passed away because the perfect that the Scripture speaks of, they're seeing Christ face to face. That time has not yet come. And the it, it's time to be, we've got to be done with the excuses and this, this half-baked theology that has left believers just powerless, really, and, and anemic before before demons and, this, and, and the paganized culture that we're facing right now. Um, one of the great theologians... Um, uh, early on in our in our country, um, the Scottish theologian James S. Stewart, he once said, it's no use in a day when spirit forces of passionate evil have been unleashed upon the earth and when fierce emotions are tearing the world apart, it is no use having a milk and water passionless theology, no good setting a tepid Christianity against a scorching paganism, the thrust of the demonic must be met with the fire of the divine. And what, so what Stuart's pointing out here is he said, you can't just, you can't just you teach people theology and right belief and just think that that's going to correct the problem. There has to be a power encounter 
And the reality is, is that God's still in the same business. And we've got to change our attitude. We've got to change our belief and line up again with Scripture. And the biggest problem that Jesus ran into in his day was unbelief. When Jesus, you know, in Matthew 13, 58, it says that Jesus did not do any mighty works, uh, basically in his own hometown there, because of the people's unbelief. And I wonder, honestly, how much, how many, how many miracles do we pass on, do we not see in our day, because we deal with the same thing. Right. I mean... I thought that the television show Vikings actually portrayed this uh, duel of deities quite well throughout, you know, the series. They were, they were uh, honored that historically quite well. Um, so, you know, I love this term berserker, you know, <laughs> so for, for your last little segment here, tell us about this berserker from, you know, from Viking lore and why one of the most terrifying soldiers to Satan's kingdom remains the kingdom berserker, the man or woman of <laughs> Uncommon faith. Hmm. And so, so our word berserk, um, crazy. You know, it originates from uh, from the Viking culture. They they send us down a lot of interesting words. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there's so much that we get from our inheritance with them. But the the berserker was their version of the modern day battlefield shock trooper. The shock troopers, when it comes to military theory, they play a very vital role. Um, typically, a shock trooper is going to be someone who possesses um, some measure of uncommon valor and skill and uh, more advanced training and probably is going to use more advanced equipment than others as well. Um, but their job on the battlefield is to really make a way where there is no way. Their job is to punch their way through. Um, and the like the other Old Norse words, berserker, um, it, it, it came from two sources. It's kind of weird. It, it, uh, the first part of the word, uh, Bjorn, um, literally means bear, and then surker means shirt. And so literally it meant bear shirt. And the berserker would shroud himself in these bears or wolf's fur, paint their faces dark, which gave them this, you know, this fierce, otherworldly kind of uh, appearance. And secondly, though, the, the term berserker came from this raging bestial state that these Viking warriors sought before battle called Berserkergang. They would actually drink a concoction of some type of herbs and alcohol and so forth that augmented their battle fury to really seemingly superhuman levels. And it would make them impervious to pain. Um, it, would, it would give them powerful energy. You know, I don't know if it was Red Bull or what, but, <laughs> you know, the, the, the berserkers were just this, these fanatical followers of Odin. And so in, in the book, as I'm laying these out and looking at them, the, these were the fearless guys. They were the shock troopers. They led the charge. And these were the guys that would rush the enemy and punch the way through into, into the enemy kingdom. And in the book, I make that comparison that the, the most terrifying soldier among Christians, the one that, that scares the devil the most, is the kingdom berserker, that man or woman of common faith. And it's that person in Scripture, it's that person, the one who's crazy enough to trust God, right? right. It's, it's Peter stepping out of the boat of the familiar and comfortable and making the sacrifice that brings breakthrough. And these these people are they're not, they're not afraid of failure and loss. Um, they they push that aside with this powerful devotion that they have for God. They implicitly trust in the promises of His Word, and they have a lot of them memorized. Um, they have a burning vision 
for some type of kingdom advancing exploit inside of them. And it, it won't leave them alone. It calls to them when they lay down at night. They talk about it. They write about it. You, when you sit down to dinner with them, they can't shut up about it <laughs> uh, because God's given them this, this vision for taking the gospel, taking his truth to some, some culture that, that it would be hostile to it otherwise. And kingdom berserkers also, they, they, I, I say they, pray, they prayerfully shapeshift. There was this belief among the berserkers that, that they could shapeshift into wolves or bears and so forth, because when the enemy would see them coming, they see these furs, and they thought, hey, it's a bear charging me. Good grief. Oh, no. And then they would hear later on, oh, it's a man who changed himself into a bear. So there's a lot of lore behind that. Mm-hmm. But I take that same lore and point out that, look, what makes the kingdom berserker so terrifying to the devil is that he's willing to shapeshift his life to whatever God needs it to be in order to reach that one lost soul. Just like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I became all things to all men that I might by all means gain some. Man, that's fantastic. It's, you know, we're, we're studying in the little men's Bible group that I'm in, uh, Joshua. And when he met, you know, the, the commander of the Lord's army, you know, he's like, well, who are you? Are you for us? Or are you for the other side? <laughs> and he says, neither. You know, I'm here to take over, not to uh, take sides. And that's what I think the point that we're at today is that we have to go back and let God take over and not try to choose sides on everything, whether it's, you know, politically or religiously or anything. It's just God's got to be in charge. And so I love this uh, this berserker term terminology and, and analogy because— it is. It's you know, and then he was told to walk around the city walls. You know, here you have this giant fortified city that you're supposed to go take, and you don't even right. carry your weapons, and you're just supposed to walk around the wall and uh, not say anything. And then, you know, on the seventh day, you, you do it seven times, and then you shout, and the walls come down. That's that's kind of berserker faith. I wouldn't have believed <laughs> that that was going to be definitely. Well, definitely, and 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 when the Lord appears to him there, you know, he. He speaks this name, Sar Saba Yahweh, Prince of the Lord's Armies. Um, it's, you know, Joshua is not thinking of God in these terms up until this point. And then all of a sudden, he, you know, he's like, are you for us or for our enemies? And he says, no, I am captain of the Lord's host. Um, and as soon as he says that, the scripture says, Joshua, he hits his face. He right. is prostrate. He's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're, oh, my gosh, it's God. God's got a sword. This is, <laughs> this is scary. And so... He, he paints this picture with, with Joshua and with the Israelites early on that, look, if you'll come to me, if you'll seek me and you'll seek my way, I'll go out before you. I'll fight your battles for you. But, but you've got to do it my way. And I think that's the whole, the whole key that, uh, theme that we're really you know, right. zooming in on right now right. is that in this show, we're wanting to let the people know, look, if we'll get back to doing battle God's way in Scripture, he spears He's powerful, and he will show up and make a difference. All right. Well, fantastic. Another great show, folks. And, you know, we've got more. We've got more. We've got gladiators and, and the Roman legionaries <laughs> still to come. But uh, but I want to just uh, tip the hat to our sponsor, Prism Specialties, again. You know, they have been so faithful. And this is the one-year anniversary show of the beginning of my radio show and podcast. So I'm just deeply uh, appreciative for them. And they're in the restoration business, and I think it's just so fitting. So whether it's your electronics, textiles, or artwork that may have been damaged somehow, uh, Prism can help you restore it and recover those valuables, and we just thank them so much for their sponsorship. 
So if you've got any questions about berserking or other things, email me at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com to offer input, suggestions, or feedback on any of our programs. And so I'll just close real quickly with another prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, there have been evil acts perpetrated just one after another here recently, and, and it shakes all of us. We're wondering, how could a person do this and just kill one child after another in a school that he doesn't even know? And we turn to you. We, you are the commander of the Lord's army, and we just say, we fall on our face. This is holy ground. It's your battle, and you can win it. You've already claimed it, and we just ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage. For more information, reach out to David at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.